0: Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Perfecting your race day fueling plan. As our long runs are increasing, fueling can become one of the most important factors of our run. We will be chatting about the 24 hours leading up to and the 24 hours after your runs today when it comes to nutrition and fueling your body for your running. It is so important to find a fueling plan that works for you and make sure that you stick with it on race day. Um, This is a huge topic and we get asked a lot of questions about this. So we just kind of want to dive into the nitty gritty details of what it looks like the 24 hours leading up to, you know, a long run, and then what the recovery from that long run and the fueling plan would look like and giving just examples that we've incorporated into our training and what that might look like, you know, just for an everyday runner um, and giving you some examples that have worked for us. So I have with me today Jason Phillippe, who is a run coach here at Run for PRs. He has over a decade of run coaching experience um, from college cross country coaching all the way up to, you know, training uh, individuals for the marathon and ultra marathon distances. So definitely a good resource here to talk about fueling plans. And he has done several marathons himself, including Boston twice, um, 246 marathon PR Uh, So he definitely knows a lot about this fueling. And and honestly, what's kind of funny is he has had fueling plans down almost from the start with his marathon uh, training career. I am someone who struggled a little bit more with finding a good nutrition plan. And unfortunately, like the first eight marathons I did, I really just didn't have a good fueling plan. So I know a lot of the frustrations that kind of can go into that and the fears and the confusions and everything like that. So I can really relate to a lot of people who just don't really know where to start or they feel like the things that work for other people just don't work for them. Um, I've definitely been there. Um, so over the years, I've just kind of had to adapt and figure out, um, just little fixes that help me personally to get the best, um, nutrition on race day. Um, whereas Jason is someone who can maybe, you know, do more. I don't know, radical things on race day, like eat a banana in the middle of running a marathon, which I definitely would not be able to do. So Jason, we'll kick things off with you. What should you eat the night before the long run? Which is a big question that we get. So what's an example of something like you can eat before a long run? What are some things to maybe avoid? And then do you think that what you eat is different from maybe what you would recommend your athletes eat or how how do you know what to eat? (laughs)
1: such a great question um so there's been so much i think um talk about this topic over the years and and i think coaches have different philosophies because i think back to when i was first uh, a high school athlete and our coach would take us out for a big steak dinner the night before our biggest race of the year and we always were like oh that's interesting like most people talk about doing (laughs) pasta dinners so they do you know they carbo load and all that um well he thought that getting He thought carb loading was so important like a week before the race, basically. And so the night before, you want to actually eat a lot of protein. And I think there is some research that shows that, but for the most part, we want to have our complex carbs, you know, about three to five days before the race. Um, If we're talking just training, I think we should be eating complex carbs all the time. It's going to give us um, the best chance for, um, you know, keeping our, our glycemic index more stable, so low glycemic foods um, will release sugar slowly the morning, the morning of, you can eat something like a bagel or, you know, piece of toast. Cause that's kind of a simple carb. So that's going to turn to sugar right away and give you the energy to get you through the run. Um, but like the night before, you should probably just eat a pretty balanced meal, you know, some vegetables, some, some complex carbs, whether that's some rice or, um, you know, whole grain pasta, whatever you're, you're used to eating. Um, I think you should also incorporate some sort of protein, um, basically eating what the you know the food i think it's a plate now the food plate recommends where it's um yeah quarter fruit vegetables grains and protein so i think that that is the best balanced diet to have and so you know that could look different each you know each each week i personally don't change much about the way i eat um right up until you know like maybe a race day in the morning i would make sure but again i eat pretty much the same I, The same I eat now, I would eat for a race. I eat peanut butter toast in the morning with banana. I'd probably eat the same thing during uh, the morning of a race. I might also eat an extra, like, um, some sort of bar, like Cliff Bar or something before the race as well. Um, But my diet is pretty, pretty much standard and stable. Like, I don't change it much. We eat kind of the same foods. Um, And I think that that is, it it, it allows your body a chance to, like, know what works for you um, so you don't have any GI issues, but also... Um, you can tweak it during your training. Like if you're not feeling good, you can analyze like, is it part of, partly because of my nutrition or hydration um, and fix those issues?
0: Yeah, I think talking about what people eat in a day is so fascinating. I feel like it's something that's almost private. Like I don't know what people eat, you know? So I only really have reference of what I eat every day. Um, and sometimes I will share on social media like a plate of my food and I eat... Like six meals a day, I eat smaller plates of food. Um, just, I get hungry frequently, and that's just like what works for me. Oftentimes, you know, I'll just, you know, snap a picture of my food, and some of the feedback I'll get is like, what? Like, that's what you eat? Or like, what are you eating? Or like, that's not what I eat. Um, and so, one thing that I've learned over the years is that v- people's diets are drastically different. Um, I have some athletes who are good athletes and I know you have a friend who is a 224 marathoner and you lived with him prior and you know in his mid to late 20s and the guy literally lived off of frozen pizza. Um so I don't know when you know I'm doing this podcast I don't know what people eat on a day to day. Um I know some of my athletes who are really good marathoners will eat taco bell like multiple times a week and that's part of what they eat that's part of their diet. So if you're listening and you hear, you know, he's eating a cliff Bar. That doesn't mean like you have to go out and buy cliff Bars. What that means is like, what do you eat, right? So anyone who's going to get through a marathon or half marathon training cycle, you're going to get to a point where you get really hungry and you're going to be eating like a marathoner, right? Like you're going to be eating like a half marathoner because you're training a lot. And so your diet naturally is going to evolve in a way where you're fueling yourself for, you know, 30, 40, 50 mile weeks. Um, and you're, you're going to be eating enough to sustain that sort of mileage. And so that might look like a completely vegan, like only rice, no grain, like super whole raw food for, for one person. And for someone else that might look like frozen food a lot and maybe eating a few vegetables. And I'm not here to say what's right or wrong, you know, like I'm not a dietitian. I'm just saying diets are going to evolve the way that, you know, are based on how you've chosen to eat, right? So don't think you have to do anything drastic. Whatever you have been doing and whatever works for you and you find works for you over the course of your life, just keep doing whatever that is. Um, So the night before a race, if you never eat vegetables before long runs or before workouts, I wouldn't go out and change that and say, Oh, Jason said to eat some vegetables with my dinner. You know, it's it's all about what you have been doing. Um, vegetables do have a lot of fiber. and So if you pick the wrong vegetable and you've never had that before in your long run, uh-oh, like you might end up with some GI issues. Whereas someone who eats, you know, more of like a vegan and like raw diet is probably no issue. They probably eat only vegetables the night before and they are great. So... The biggest thing that I would say is look at what you eat. Um, Don't necessarily listen to like what we're saying specifically when it comes to what we eat before a long run, because our diet is specific to what we eat. You know, it's, it's maybe a little bit healthier than some people's diet. And that doesn't mean that you have to completely change what you're doing and change what you eat um, the night before a long run. So with that being said, you know, what I typically eat the night before a long run I don't really like meat, so I don't have meals that revolve around meat. Typically, I'm not a vegan, not vegetarian. I just don't, I just don't eat that much meat. So I would maybe have some pasta, like, and I'm gluten free, so it's like gluten free pasta. Um, I like rice. Uh, white rice. A lot of people ask me why I don't have brown rice. I don't know. I like white rice better. I do eat brown, but it's like, that's the thing is I think sometimes people get really obsessive over like details that maybe don't necessarily matter that much. It's like if you eat white rice the night before all of your long runs and you feel really good on all your long runs and then someone, you know, peak week marathon training is like, you should be eating brown rice. It's like... (laughs) Sorry. I don't know. I, I think it's more important to stick with what you have been doing and you, what works for your body because your body has evolved in a way and it's adapted to the diet during your training. Um, and we're already like halfway through training, right? So having drastic diet changes in the middle of marathon training, I think is hard to do. And I don't necessarily know if it's the best thing to do. I think your body knows how to run based on what you've been feeding it. So I think the biggest thing you can do is look at, all right, so you have white rice that works for you. Stick with what has been working and don't like get caught up in, oh, but brown rice is healthier. Um, You know, you can try it. But again, I've done a podcast with our registered dietitians She said brown rice has more fiber intake. So just things to keep in mind, um, as soon as you start switching things out, the fiber count can change and that can cause GI distress. Uh, So I'm someone who will have like larger servings of, you know, some rice, pasta, sides of veggies, uh, like carrots or broccoli. Um, but I never really have any sort of GI distress from eating that. Typically, I'll probably have like a dessert after dinner as well, um, before a long run. And that works fine for me. I'm not, I'm not sure if I would like advise everyone to do that, but I think sometimes, you know, if you eat dinner, at 5 or 6 um and you're not going to bed till like 9 or 10 it's sometimes as nice to have like a snack in between you know dinner and bed if you do feel like you're not completely full or whatever you know I'll have either a snack or some sort of like desserty thing uh before bed just to make sure you know I'm fully fueled up and ready to go uh so then when it comes to you know sleeping what do you do when you wake up? Kind of like, what is your breakfast routine look like? And what would you advise people to do? Um, cause I know sometimes people will like to be, uh, on the, the club of not eating before a long run. And I know even there are certain days, like you're just short on time. You don't have time to eat before your long run. But let's say you're doing a long run where you're doing like marathon simulation sort of thing. So. You're waking up early enough. You have time to eat breakfast. What do you recommend people kind of go to, or what is your go-to?
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's always you know I don't count calories, but I'm typically typically going to have like two pieces of toast with peanut butter and banana. Um, I might have, um, you know, a waffle on occasion instead, but I'll I'll usually try to keep the toast and banana just because I and peanut butter because I know it goes. I know it makes i know it gives me um you know it fills my stomach enough and it gives me good energy and i'm not going to have any sort of stomach issues during a run so i know that sits well with me um i've had oatmeal too it really depends on the time of day i'm going to run if i'm going to run a little bit later then i might have a little bigger breakfast you know where i allow myself like those three hours to digest so then i might actually have like oatmeal some berries um banana toast i might even have some eggs um, a lot of times that'll be my second breakfast after I have my morning run done. But if it's the morning of like a big long run or something, I'm gonna keep it fairly limited. I'm gonna try to get out the door and you know get it done and all of that. So I'm gonna eat kind of my usual go-to, but I may I may double the amount um, just so that I'm getting more calories in, right? So um, and again, I know that you know I'm not getting the immediate calories or the immediate spike in my blood sugar if I'm eating whole grains. Um, but I'm still getting the banana and, um, you know, I know some of the breads that we buy, they're not all whole grain. We do buy some gluten-free bread. We buy a variety of bread. So I may just, um, change that up too, based on like how soon before my run, but yeah, I'd say for breakfast, you can't go wrong with like oatmeal, some fruit. Um, the fruit's good because it it does give you, you know, there's a balance there of high glycemic food and low, it's going to spike the blood sugar a little bit right away. So, um, I'm not a fan of going out the door with a, on an empty stomach. I know that I've done it before, back when I used to wake up and run at like 5 a.m. I've, I've done it. I can do it. I, want, I, I don't like doing it for workouts, uh, but for like an easy run, it's fine. I can get it done. Um, I know there's people out there that do that and it, it, they probably are feeling fine about it. Um, but again, you want to kind of train the way that you're going to do it on race day. So most of the time... I mean, I would highly advise against not eating before a race if it's a long race, you know. So, um, you know, you want to try to do that before your long runs or your harder sessions is get up, get something in your, in your gut and allow it a chance to, you know, digest before you go out and run.
0: Right. I think that's a really good point. You know, a lot of people, they are kind of hesitant to eat before a race and all those sort of things. And I think this is where, you know, I said I struggled with feeling before. This is the step. Step one of when the fueling starts to be difficult for me um, is the morning of the race and then during the race um, and after. So it's pretty much the day of the race. Um, I used to be someone who, you know, it's just I struggle with running with food in my stomach. Um it was something that was always kind of the case. I remember I used to be an afternoon runner, and so that meant like I had to eat a really big breakfast. And then at lunch um, at work, I would not really eat much because I knew that if I had a run to do, that it would be hard to run with, you know lunch in my stomach. So it would be more of like snacking in the afternoon. Um, and then I, I couldn't eat for like two to three hours before my run, just because I don't like the way it feels to run on a full stomach. It feels really weird. Um, and I'm someone who maybe would, will feel sick if I eat too much and I'm running, um, that sort of thing. And so I definitely can resonate with people who run in the morning, um, that's kind of what I do now, and they struggle with, I can't eat breakfast and run Um, because there's pretty pretty much every single thing that most people would eat for breakfast I won't, would not be able to eat before running. Um, the only thing that I have found that works for me personally is a piece of toast with peanut butter. Um, I can't eat fruit. I can't eat banana. Absolutely no yogurt. Like sometimes I see people before a race and they're eating like yogurt and berries and oatmeal. And I just cannot imagine eating some of those things before my run. And so I can definitely resonate with people who are like, I can't eat, um, before I run. So I think it's really about finding like, what is the, the, one thing that you think you could eat that wouldn't like set you over the edge, um, and just be like a little teeny bit of something in your stomach. And I always went to like the brat diet. So what would you eat? Like if you just were recovering from the stomach flu, like what's the number one go to thing that you would be able to stomach and be okay. Um, for a lot of people, that might it's gonna be something that's God. I don't even know what what does bread stand for. It's like bread, bread rice, um, rice applesauce, applesauce, toast, right? So uh, you know, toast. So that's or bananas, what right. Rice right. Oh yeah, bananas. So yeah, and some for some people that might be a banana. For some people, it's the applesauce. Um, I couldn't do applesauce. There's just a lot of things for me that my stomach would just be like no. Um, so just really asking yourself like. Maybe it's crackers. And I know that's not um, like a common breakfast food, right? So, but you're, you have to think about it why you're eating the food is for your run. So if it's something that maybe isn't a traditional breakfast food, but you think that it's something that you would be able to stomach before your run, maybe give it a go. So maybe like a little saltine, some crackers, whatever it is, um, just to experiment with something. Um, I know for me personally, I used to never run in the morning after eating breakfast like I couldn't I couldn't run with anything in my stomach um and so to get to a point where I could it was basically eating like a very small amount so it was like a teeny bit of toast like half of a half of a toast and then it was half the toast like a week later and then it was like three-fourths of the toast Um, So it's all about building up the tolerance to it because if you go from never eating before your run at all to eating a full piece of toast, that would be enough to make you feel nauseous or sick or whatever. So what I would advise doing is, you know, eating maybe like half of half of a piece before you go on your run just to be like, hey, body, we're trying something new today. I'm going to eat a very, very, very small amount of food just so you kind of know what's happening um, and then build it. It's kind of like building your mileage, right? You're just doing it very slowly. Um, And I know sometimes I had talked about this concept before and people were like, well, that's not healthy. And it's like, no, what's really bad is to go (laughs) and not be able to eat it all before running. And so, and it's a problem a lot of people have. So I would advise starting small, building up. um, And now is the time to do it because you do not want to be running a marathon um, without having practiced this, first of all. Or maybe your plan was to run the marathon or half marathon without eating before. Um, that's going to be a recipe for definitely not reaching your potential at all. So you, you want to try doing this because it will, I promise you, make you faster in the long run. Even though those first couple rounds might be really uncomfortable, um, I'm to a point where I can eat you know, two, three pieces of toast and be able to run fine off of it. Um, and so it's all about building that tolerance um, and figuring out what works for you. So again, it's okay to run fasted sometimes, but you want to get to a point where you can run with food in your stomach um, and building that tolerance for that. So, Jason, how long after eating should you start your run?
1: It's a good question. Again, this is going to be something that you would you know work towards uh, building up more of a tolerance to being able to run. Um, you know, soon after eating. And so for me, I could probably eat and go out within 10, 15 minutes. For some people, they may need to wait like an hour or 90 minutes. I think that that's probably pretty typical. Um, You know, there might be some people out there that are fine 45 to 60 minutes later. Um, I think that's kind of what you do is usually 30 to an hour. But for most people, they probably need to wait an hour. It depends on kind of how much you eat, like you said. um, If you're just having a half a piece of toast, you might be able to get away with, you know, running, fairly soon after. But if you're eating a decent sized breakfast, you might want to wait one to two hours. Um, I just know that I'd rather, you know, I'd rather eat something and get out the door right away than eat nothing. Um, I think my stomach, you know, over time, it's learned to just cooperate with whatever's in it. The only time I've really felt like crap after eating is if I run like an hour after eating Chipotle or something like that. Then if I eat something like super filling, try to run within like two hours, then it's not a good run. But other than that, I, I've i kind of learned to teach my body how to just be able to run with, you know, I can have like a Coke at lunch or whatever and like a sandwich or in soup or fries or whatever. And I could be running by like 3.30 or 4 and feel fine. Um, but again, I'm also making sure I'm staying hydrated with you know, water, maybe some electrolytes as well. I'm still eating, you know, brat-type foods throughout the day as well. So I'm feeling, you know, pretty, pretty optimistic that I'll feel good enough on my run.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Kind of everyone's different with how long after eating they can run again, practice makes perfect. Um, once you do it a few times, you can kind of get the hang for, for what your body, um, is used to. And, and kind of like what you were saying, you can kind of head out the door right after eating. Um, same with me now, um, your body kind of builds up that tolerance to it. And it's actually really nice because then you don't have to like wake up three hours before your long run starts. You can just wake up, you know, 40 minutes before, eat your food, get out the door within, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. Um, so then the next part, I think the most complicated for a lot of runners is what you eat during your runs, which is, there's so many different brands, there's so many different ways to do it. Um, and that's, this is definitely one of the harder parts for a lot of people because there's really no direction, no, no way of knowing a lot. The biggest advice people give is just try whatever works for you, right? Like there's no right or wrong. Um, so how many goos, gels, uh, sauce packets, whatever should you take? And what do you personally take what works for you?
1: Yeah, so you're going to want to take those high glycemic, um, you know, simple carb snacks or foods during your run um, to get the energy right away. So that's why you'll see, you know, races doing the goos and stuff like that. Um, I... I personally do. Yeah. Like you said earlier, I've had a banana. I've had fruit before during a race. Um, I've taken small like bars that they've offered. Um, otherwise I like the chia seed uh, gels just cause I, I don't really like the, the taste so much of like goo. Um, uh, vanilla is okay, but, um, I, you know, some, there's so many different variations and I don't really like the texture, but I do like the chia seed, ones because it just goes down so smooth The Huma, Huma is the brand of that. But, um, yeah, I'm not too picky. Like I'll take, I, I'll take, again, I'll take anything over nothing. So during, you know, if we're talking a marathon, um, I'm going to be looking to take something every, every 30 minutes for sure. Um, for a half, I may only take like one or two, you know, during the entire race. So that's kind of what I do as far as training goes, you know, it's similar, um, really any runs over probably 13 miles, that's when I'm going to use something. Um, and I'll probably plan a route where I can get some hydration somehow. And also maybe bring along like two, two goose or Huma gels or whatever. But, um, yeah, I've done, you know, I, I went to watch Victoria run an ultra and they had all sorts of different kinds of people had different kinds of foods. They had like dates and they had just, uh, Skittles and Coke. And so i I've, I've seen people, they've had it all really. And I think it's just about what, you know, what you think you can stomach during the run and um, what's going to help help you continue to run and, and not get, you know, any GI distress from it.
0: Right. And this is just kind of taking me back, you know, when you're talking about that ultra and stuff, that's when I really first had to start learning how to fuel. It was kind of around that time, you know, seven, six, seven mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and I just remember for the longest time, I had this like false sense of what fueling should make you feel like, right? So, you know, you see all these packets of gels that they're running stores, and everyone talks about fueling and nutrition and, oh, you'll feel so much better if you fuel. Um, whereas I had ran, you know, a marathon using no fuel besides like Powerade. And so I always thought that if you were to have a packet of this goo or gel or whatever they're selling, that you would get this like boost. Of energy and you'd feel so good. Like I thought it was some sort of like magical drug juice, right? But the reality is, it's not. Um, it's it's like a minor thing, right? So it's it's kind of like people say the four percent Nike four percent are like all hype, right? So the carbon plated shoes, oh, like it's it's not really that impressive, or it's all in your head, right? Um, We're in reality. There's scientific. <laughs> Like data showing that the Nike 4% do give you a performance boost, but it's a very minimal. So they're not going to like run for you, right? These shoes, Um, they're just going to give you a little bit of a boost. They're going to allow you to be a little bit better than you were. So that's kind of how the gel is. It's not like you take it and then boom, you're like cyber speed, right? It's just like you take it. And you don't even really notice a difference, really. you just take it and you don't crash as bad. So I think there's this like false perception out there that like you're doing fueling wrong, quote unquote, if you don't feel great during your marathon. Like you're still going to feel like crap during your race, even if you fuel. I just want to like get that out there for anyone who's like confused. Because racing a marathon, racing a half marathon is very hard. And so you're still going to get a sense of fatigue. You're still going to feel like it's very, very difficult. Um, the only difference is that you're going to be able to run a little bit faster because of the physiological things going on in your body. Um, you just have more fuel supply. You're not dipping into glycogen and you're not going to hit a wall. Now that that isn't to say that like it's a guarantee from you not blowing up during the race. Like if you go out too fast or if it's a really hot day or all of the other factors that could happen, you could have the best fueling plan ever, but still not run like your A race. Right. So we're not saying that like, this is some sort of like foolproof, like you will PR plan or like you are going to run your best. It's just one extra piece of the puzzle. So You know, you got your training plan right. You got your fueling plan right. There's just so many things involved with race day that it's just one thing that you can do to assure, like, that isn't going to completely derail your race. Because if you don't do nutrition right, it can make your race way, way worse. But if you do it right, it's just going to make your race feel normal. So don't don't think it's going to be, like, this extra boost. And so that's why for the longest time I kind of neglected it. Cause I was like, well, you know, like I can perform pretty good without feeling. And that, that is true. You can perform pretty good or like, okay, or, you know, great. But if you want to get to like really where your potential is and get to that next level, feeling is absolutely something you have to do because without it, it's, it's basically like running a marathon in like 70 degrees. It's like You could run so much faster if you just did it at 55 and you could feel like, oh, I feel fine running at 70 though. Like I felt great. And it's like, but physiologically, if you ran it at 50 degrees, you would be X amount faster. And so that's just kind of why we're talking about it. Because if you do get the fueling plan down, you will be faster. And so I started, you know, experimenting with things um, and just got to the point where Kay, like... I realize most of the stuff that you're going to eat during race is not going to taste good. Um, It's just about getting it down and making it so that whatever it is you're eating isn't going to make you sick, right? So that's pretty much the goal. You just want it to get down and you want it to like not make you feel sick or anything. You just want it to be like a neutral experience and it might honestly not taste great. So (laughs) you're going to go with things that maybe you enjoy as a flavor like i see a lot of these flavors like you just said the chia seed thing like that to me like i I just couldn't do it so you have to think what do you like so if you're someone who likes you know the flavor of vanilla or you know coffee flavor like if that's something that you like buy those flavors but if you but if you hate those flavors then you shouldn't be you know getting the coffee bean if you hate coffee you should be going after things that sound appealing to you. Uh, but the bottom line is, if you were just to like open, rip open one of those gel packs and just try to like eat it, it's going to be disgusting. I mean, they're not, they're not good. All it is is sugar. Um, it's just about getting, you know, glucose, sugar, and carbs quickly during your run. It's not a four-star gourmet. It's not a blizzard from Dairy Queen. It's just sugar um so jason how do you kind of think that these gels taste and how do you like stomach it or is it not a big deal for you
1: um yeah i mean i, I guess i really haven't tried too many of them honestly i've probably only tried like six of them six flavors between the cliff shots and the goos and the humas so i kind of know i like i kind of like the vanilla for cliff and then for huma i'll, I'll like some of the fruity ones um but it's really, they don't really taste good. It's more just, you know, trying to get it down quickly and washing it down with some liquid as well. Um, but I, yeah, I think that just getting the the immediate energy in is so important. And when we think about hydration, um, you know, you you're, you want to have something with, with some of those um, electrolytes that your body's losing and through sweat, right? So I know we're going to talk about hydration here so i'm getting into that with like UCAN can gatorade and um you know you you got to train with what's probably going to be on the course come race day and um you should be adding that to your fueling you know as frequent as you probably more frequent actually than you are the, the goose and the gels so you know with your hydration you need to be drinking plenty of water and mixing in the UCAN can or the gatorade um you know probably 12 ounces at at minimum every hour um so I think that, um, yeah, the, you know, there's there's no perfect, you know, recipe for fueling. I think it's kind of about what you've trained um, your body to be able to handle, and then um, tailoring it to you know what to expect on race day.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point with the electrolytes and all that stuff. You know, we're in the middle of summer right now. And one of the biggest things that happen is, you know, you, you are depleted of your electrolytes. You don't want to be out there hot, sun, sweating. Um, and sometimes, you know, that salty sweat, you know, if you've ever gotten sweat in your eyes and it stings or if you've ever come back from a run and you see like white stuff on your face, um, that's the salt that's in your sweat. And so it's really important that you are replenishing that salt depletion with some sort of either an electrolyte. Um, I know noon is really popular or you know, Powerade, whatever you drink. Um, but let's say you don't necessarily have anything to drink except for water. Um, maybe the marathon you're doing only has water. Maybe you only bring water with you because you have a hydration pack, whatever it may be. Um, another option to get those electrolytes um, are salt pills. So one that we've used over the years is called Salt Stick. Um, just swallowing that pill when you're running. I actually think that the salt pills are easier to take than any of the gels or anything. You just pop it in salt with water, um, and then you're gonna be able to get those electrolytes. Again, this is something you should probably practice with, but what I have found is that most people can kind of do it and then um, on one of their turning rounds, they they literally feel nothing from it um, just because it is, just all it is is electrolytes and it's in a salt pill. So it's really um, easy on the stomach for most people. Um, And they also have like a quick release one now that is like a chewable. Um, So if you find, yeah, so we bought those at CIM a couple years ago and they basically were saying when we bought them is that, you know, if you're someone who has already kind of reached the cramping stages, usually there's like no return, right? Like the muscle cramps. Um, But they said that if you start chewing those, um, it just kind of gets into the bloodstream faster and it can help alleviate any sort of muscle crampings that happen there. So if you, and some people like crave that salty, um, whatever, you know, after a long run or when you're on a long run, maybe you want to chew it. Uh, it's just kind of up to you. Um, I think they're a little strong personally, but sometimes people like chewable. Um, so that's one option, but I think it's definitely good to look into getting those salt pills just because they can really prevent, um, cramping and all that stuff. And electrolytes are one of the most important parts of the body, and they help um, your muscles to be able to trigger and fire, um, and when you run out of those electrolytes, that's when you're really in trouble, and that's when um, your body can completely shut down with cramping and all that sort of thing. And when you're drinking a ton of water out there, um, it's really easy for you to get into an electrolyte imbalance, and so we just want to you know, advocate that if you're not taking some sort of electrolyte supplement, that it might be a good idea to get salt pills or something like that. Um, with your water so how frequently should you be practicing um, with water stops or how do you know how to take a water cup at the water stop Um, those sort of things how do you practice that
1: yeah that's a good question Um, i you know i usually would only practice uh, hydrating during like a long run and so it's tough because you don't have like the cups that they would offer on the course um but that's where i use the like other races lead up races as a way to practice so i might run like i don't know 10k 10 mile or half marathon um and i may not even need the water during those races but i'm practicing taking it just so that it gets me feeling comfortable during the the marathon race because you know i'm someone that doesn't like to lose too much time and i don't want to um i definitely don't want to like have to stop so you want to make sure that, you know, think about it like you're merging on to a freeway. You want to merge on nicely and not affect any of the other cars. And same with running. You would want to stop at the water stop or ease into it and ease back away from it without having to impede on anyone else's running. So, um, and I know that, you know, where I'm running, sometimes there's not as many people, but I've done races where I've started slower. Um, you know, a few years ago, I just ran Twin Cities for fun. And I started back probably around like the 335 balloon or something. And, you know, the water stops are definitely a lot more crowded. So I had a good experience there just with weaving and making sure. And I'm I'm probably going a faster pace than people when they're at the water stop. So just figuring out like how to maneuver around people, grab the cup, you know, crease the cup so I can drink while I'm still running and not slow down. Um, but I what I like to do is basically pretty much every stop, every water stop, I'll grab something. I might alternate from the first water stop. I might just get water and then I might get Gatorade and just alternate between the two until the later miles. When, you know, if it's a hot day and I'm starting to feel thirsty or whatever, then I'm taking one of each at least. But yeah, I think during a training run, definitely every 30 minutes if you can. Um, and being strategic about planning, you know, your stops.
0: Yeah, that's a good point with the water stops during the race. I know a lot of people, they have like the mindset of, I'm not going to step and walk or whatever, uh, but sometimes if you're in a race uh, and it's a big race, when you get to the water stop, um, just depending on what pace you're running, people may force you to step and walk because if everyone all of a sudden, when they reach the water table, completely comes to a stop, you it's it's kind of like improper running etiquette to start weaving or like whatever, continue running, um, when everyone is stopping. So I typically find around like the nine minute pace group is where you're going to start to see like a very, very drastic slowdown, almost some, you know, people walking through a water stop and that's completely okay. Um, I've done an ultra marathon before where I was running about nine minute pace and that was with, you know, I was walking through every single water stop, walking every single hill. You can still run a pretty fast time. Um, You know, I I did nine minute pace average with several, several walk stops in there. And so, you know, maybe you don't feel comfortable running through a water stop or running and drinking water. That's totally fine. Um, I know some of the last marathons I did were in like the three three teens, three twenties, even there people walk through water stops, right? So you just got to do what works for you. Um, if you're not able to drink water and run, it's okay to make one, two, three steps, chug the water, go. Like, you know, it's it's not going to affect your time. It may actually speed your time up. So just being logical about um, how it how that's going to work. You know, if you're someone running like a 240 marathon, you might not be stopping just because you know, just the pace. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I'm not that fast, but I do know for me, uh, sometimes you do have to, to stop just because if someone is stopped right in front of you and you're grabbing a cup, like it's safer to just stop and walk for two steps than it would be to plow right, you know, around them or whatever. So just being conscious of, you know, your surroundings and all that stuff. So, you know, we're talking a lot about, during the race, making sure you're practicing the same way. So if you plan on stopping every single water stop during the race, let's practice so that you are stopping every two miles on your run for water. Um, I like to personally get water every two miles during the race. Um, in my training, I will try to get water every 40 to 45 minutes just to sim- simulate the same thing. Um, if you're going to be taking sips of water every two miles, that's Going to have a lot of um, water kind of jostling around your stomach. You want to make sure that your stomach is trained to handle drinking water when you're running. You don't want to go the entire summer without hardly drinking at all on your training runs to, you know, drinking every two miles during a marathon. Um, You want to be smart about how you're doing it. So you're going to want to practice the exact same way that you're going to approach your race. Um, So then once we get to the finish line of the race right like yay like you get your medal, all that stuff um or you know right after your long run oh finally you're finished and so hot and you're so over it and you just want to like lay on the couch and you just want to sit on the floor whatever so what is the most important thing that you do afterwards when it comes to nutrition what sort of foods should you look to eat when should you start eating what if you're not hungry
1: yeah, it's a great question. I know that you know. For me, I can't. One thing I look forward to at the end of a, especially a marathon, is is just all the food, right? I think there's only been one time where I felt kind of queasy and didn't want to eat, but for the most part, I'm grabbing everything I can, and I'm slowly just kind of trying to get it in. Um, we know that you know the research shows you should try to eat something within that thirty to sixty minutes for optimal refueling. You have that kind of window where your muscle needs, um, you know, to repair and, and restore those glycogen storages. So. Um, if you can eat it 's best to do so within that time frame, um, otherwise you know it may take you an hour or two to feel like you can start to eat something. I would recommend just starting with something just drink you know either chocolate milk or um, you know sip on something um, maybe some if if lick i know soup is sometimes offered at the end of a, a, a marathon or endurance race so if you, if you can't fathom stomaching like real food, try to get some sort of liquid enter, uh, rep- replenishment in. Um, and sometimes they have a lot of different options at those races. So um, yeah, trying to eat, if you are someone that likes to wait a little bit, that's okay. Just really try to start to get something in as soon as you feel like you can stomach it. Um, start with just something kind of ba- basic, not, nothing too, you know, acidic. just kind of follow like maybe the brat diet or something, but you know, some crackers, some bars, uh, bananas, stuff like that. And then, um, you know, you want to kind of start to get some protein as well. It shouldn't all be carbs. It should be about a three-to-one ratio of carb-to-protein ratio because um, our muscles are going to need the protein for rebuilding and repairing. So, um, you know, we need both. And so I think if you can eat a meal, like, two hours later, that'd be, that'd be great. Two to three hours you want to eat a, a basic meal so that you're getting um, a good, good variety of carbs and proteins.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to, you know, kickstart that recovery process with um, some nutrition. And I had to almost laugh when you said that you look forward to the food after a marathon. And I do, too, like the that next week. But when it comes to finishing the marathon or finishing a long run, I have, like, no appetite, like, the first couple of hours just because – you know your body starts to kind of go into a more of an intense you know mode where all the blood is rushing out of your you know digestive system into your muscles because it's a huge act of um you know labor on your muscles during a marathon and sometimes as a result like your digestive will start slowing um because there's not a, there's only so much blood in your body and it's going to go to the places that are being worked the hardest <clears throat> and that's not like anything that's, you know, terrible or bad. It's just the reality of the situation. So, when I end up finishing a marathon, I'm not typically hungry. Um, seeing pretty much anything out, I just, it doesn't sound appealing to me right away. Um, but I do know that the longer I go without eating, the longer it's going to take for me to feel hungry. And the number one thing you can do to kickstart that recovery process and allow your body to say, hey, we're done. We're not doing this anymore we're going to start a recovery, here it is, we're kickstarting, and just to, like, signal to your digestive system, like, hey, like, we're done running, like, blood can come back now, would be to um eat something, <clears throat> even if it's super light, even just if it's, like, nibbling on, like, a couple of chips, like, because I know what it's like to feel, you know, maybe a little nauseous at the, the finish line, just grab whatever sounds even, like, remotely appealing. Um, Usually for me, it's like, I just grab a bag of chips, and, you know, I'll just eat a couple of chips or I'll force myself to eat it, even though I sometimes at the end of a marathon do struggle with feeling nauseous. Um, but typically I find that when I do eat something, as long as it sounds somewhat like stomachable, like chips uh, or, you know, chicken broth or whatever it is, <clears throat> it'll help me to feel less nauseous. So the longer I go without eating the more nauseous I'm going to feel, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just really important to kickstart that process. Again, it's about trusting the training, trusting the process. Um, You really want to kickstart it, even if you're not feeling hungry. So, you know, you hear Jason say, he's like starving at the end of a finish line. I am not hungry at all. And it's okay to eat when you're not hungry. It's just kickstarting that process um, and allowing your body to know that it's okay to kind of start that recovery. Um, And then that whole week is just kind of like eating whatever you want, just because, you know, you've worked really hard and it's all about kind of celebrating. I just go into like celebration mode, like as soon as I get hungry again, because, you know, maybe that 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 night you're not super hungry, but it's still important to eat, you know, some nutritious food, get some good nutrition into your system, Um, try to eat things that are going to aid in the recovery process and really like anti-inflammation sort of diet would be, you know, most ideal there <laughs> just to help with, um, the recovery. Cause you know, your body just went through a lot of stuff. Uh, and so getting as much nutrients as you possibly can right away is going to help. Um, and then just kind of like celebrating that week and, and doing some things for yourself, it, it's, a, it's a fun time. So it's important to kind of know, like don't be so strict uh, with your diet, like during training and after training, it's okay to kind of go off of what you have been eating, um, just following the diet that has been working for you and has allowed you to have that success and not making like huge drastic changes. I know some someone you've worked with Or, you know, we've had a couple people that that decided to, like, go vegan uh, during peak marathon training or whatever. And that's totally fine, like, to make dietary switches like that. But I think it can be hard to make that sort of a very massive dietary adjustment and change um, in the middle of the peak of marathon training. It would be kind of like switching your job, the peak marathon training. Like, it will... Impact you somehow. Like maybe it's gonna impact your work. Maybe it's gonna impact your performance. We don't know how it's gonna happen, but it's going to have an effect on you. Same with the, the vegan diet. Like we, we don't know how it's gonna go, right? Uh, but it, it is gonna have an impact. So I, th- I like to think of if you are going to make those big dietary, uh, adjustments and changes, uh, one way to do it is slowly over the course of time. So nothing like super drastic, just kind of making some small tweaks over time. If you are going to do it during a marathon training cycle, just to assure that you're not, um, flipping a switch because I do think sometimes when people go on, um, those big, uh, dietary changes, maybe like going vegan or doing whole 30, sometimes unintentionally they will, um, uh, be under eating and so when you're under eating, but expecting the same level of performance, um, you're going to see issues that arise. So if you are going to be making a dietary change, I would recommend counting your calories, making sure you're going to be getting enough nutrition there. Um, also doing it gradually. So it's not like such a dramatic um, adjustment for your body. And then another option would be if you are going to do it drastically, maybe doing it on your off season, um, during recovery or in the base building phase, just so that your body has time to kind of adjust to that major life change before you go into your marathon-specific training cycle. So I hope that this was beneficial and we actually have a registered dietitian who we did a podcast um, several episodes back now with her who she kind of talked about the specifics of the nutrition in each food and and her recommendations for all that um if you ever want to work with her she gives um very specific meal plans for people and she can do it based on your preferences and what you like to eat and stuff uh, she also will talk to you about you know pre-race post-race she's a marathoner herself so she's an expert at all things fueling and nutrition um, and it can be really nice just to have you know the meals planned out for you, uh, in advance. So if you have any questions or you want to talk to our registered dietitian, you can feel free to fill out the form at www.runforprs.co and chat with Amy, our dietitian today, or if you want to get a seven day free trial for run coaching, we're always here too. Thanks.